Welcome to Two Hours No Traffic, a New York, Philadelphia sports podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He's Philly Brandon. Big trade that happened between our two respective franchises. There's still a lot of aftermath. I mean, we did a whole fucking podcast episode on it last week. Now these two guys speak. We hear from Ben Simmons. We hear from James Harden. Brandon, I know they spoke to the media, but did you and I really hear anything? No, I don't think I heard anything different than what I'd been hearing prior. Um, you know, Ben said the same thing he's been saying forever. Um, you know, he's excited to do this. He's going to be a different guy in Brooklyn. I'm you know, excited for the opportunity. He's not. I mean, it's just it is what it is. Um, he's not going to be drastically different. Um, I thought James James Harden isn't usually the most outspoken media guy. Um, I did find it a little interesting. Um, and you and I talked about it. He said, you know, Philly was his destination all along and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy he's here regardless. He doesn't have to like, you know, humor me. Like he could have said it was the Nets. Like the city's not going to turn on him for that. So you think that Harden's blown smoke? Is that what you're saying? I think that particular statement, he was just trying to be like, no, dude, I'm all in on Philly. But, like, I don't believe it. I think he was hyped to go to the Nets. What about how the homie said fucking um, – said that he needed to play with guys who want to win? Like, that couldn't have been more of a shot. And, and Yeah, I mean, the shot would be, I guess, just directly at Kyrie because KD's obsessed with winning more than just about anything else. So, I mean, Ky- Kyrie has to be in the crosshairs of that one. And I don't – I don't know if he's entirely wrong. I mean, Kyrie, when he's on the court, plays to win. I'm not going to take that away from him. You'd also be lying if we all said that basketball was the most important thing to Kyrie Irving because it doesn't seem to be. So you're saying that was a veiled shot at Kyrie. I can't see who else you'd aim that at. I mean, it couldn't physic- it couldn't possibly be KD considering what he's meant to the Nets and that he's drug an otherwise lackluster team through the playoffs before so i get all that that makes sense if 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 that's the route you're gonna go i get it but he says that statement mm-hmm. and then he shows up to the sixers game to crack the liberty bell which yes. actually was kind was kind of cool not gonna it was lie pretty to tough the, it, was, and then, it, was, it was cool if you've been to enough games he added an extra one at the end it's usually only three he seemed to be having a good time doing that so that was cool but then you guys get beat by 48 points at yep. home at home, basically fully healthy with the exception of James Harden. And he said that he needed to play with guys who want to win. So I don't know. I'm not going to lie. The timing was weird. There's also a conspiracy that I got to crack. I got to crank out some numbers and I want to go back through the Sixers Twitter feed. But if you do a correlation between the Sixers doing like huge bell ringers like icon celebrities ringing the bell and then laying an egg it happens a lot when we get these random philly dudes no disrespect but like you know this this boxer that came from philly and won in like you know a a mid-major league and that kind of stuff we blow teams out of the building if you bring in sixers legends pop legends all that kinds of stuff we fall apart so i want to run the numbers and see what our record is with you know, like a list celebrities ringing the bell because Harden is just another another one in the list. The funniest part about that loss 
was not the fact that you guys lost by 48, which, which was relatively funny. I think Nets Twitter had probably the best day it's had in months during that entire game. <laughs> I'm um, glad you got to enjoy it. Joel Embiid tried a step back, and it was <laughs> the, the worst Arm thing of back. all time. I, yep. Bro, like it was such a blatant travel. I feel like the ref didn't want to call it, but he had to because <laughs> it was so blatant. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Everyone was just like, "Yeah, he's been practicing with Harden for a day, and look what happens." Yeah, that that was hard to look at. Um, also, everyone else's Twitter account has been getting on my nerves recently. I mean, I like the net the Nets guys that like we've kind of worked with on this podcast. They know who they are. You're all cool. Like that's Twitter has some bright moments. Do not get me wrong. But between Nets Twitter during the whole trade thing, acting like Ben Simmons, the second coming of Magic Johnson, having pissed off already. And then last night, I'm looking at Celtics fans going, man, Al Horford is kicking Joel Embiid's ass up and down the court. Look, did Joel Embiid have an MVP night? No. Did he have 17 points and 14 boards in the first half? Also, yes. So, I mean, he still made Al Horford his bitch. I'm tired of Al Horford's sister, wife, whoever the hell that is on Twitter. That's his sister. That's not his wife. Fuck her. I, I was tired of like Anna Horford, hair. dude. She's she's a riot. She's awesome. Oh my god, I hate her so much. I've like, been Al has to for years. She's a very good she she even knows she's the villain. She wrote like everybody outside of Al's teams hate me. And I yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. Like she has to go home and Al's like, please shut up. I'm getting bullied on the court now because of you. So I mean, that's just been my whole beef. The, the game was bad. I'm not even going to like address it. It was one of those games that's so horrible, it means nothing because it won't happen again. But just the social media aspect of it, I, Boston Celtics fans are on the top of my list of hate, hated fan bases. If I I'm mean, Eli Apple, they're on my list. Oh, God. <laughs> Guy got torched in the <laughs> Super Bowl. Um, I'll say this, man. Like, Obviously, it was an embarrassing loss. But nobody can judge you until Harden steps on the court. If Harden steps on the court and him and Embiid somehow don't work and they lose the first couple games, then yeah, everyone's going to fucking panic. Philly's going to go nuts. They're going to be like, we traded for this bum. We're seeing him at Pats and Geno's every single night chowing down Mm -hmm. on cheesesteaks. But no, like, and and obviously I know you guys think it's going to work out. I have no fucking idea. I'm like on the fence. Like obviously part of me doesn't want it to work out. Fuck Philly. Fuck you guys for fucking poaching our third best player, second best player. But at the same time, it's like. You guys got a King's ransom out of that too. Yes, we did. But I was going to say, is James Harden really done? Are we really going to sleep on this man? I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. I I still think he's really good. And if he's motivated and he's with the right team, I, I mean, you know, and he gets to play his style. And that's the thing. I hope you're ready for this because I know Joel Embiid's the alpha. He's the MVP, whatever. He's the best player on the team. James Harden's going to play his brand of basketball. He's not going to change. He's never changed. That is not his thing. He is an on-ball, pick-and-roll, isolation point guard. So I hope you're ready for that because Embiid's going to be fucking dead, wheezing by the third quarter after setting his 57th pick. See. But I don't know if they run and be with that kind of with that action or not. I, I'm not sure. I, I I think there's a hybrid between the two where he can still play his way because outside of James Harden, we don't have anybody who he can dump the ball into and just get a shot. I mean, you can't run your offense through a center in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. You've tried it four times. We're 0 for 4. So, I mean, 
there's going to be nights where, you know, when jo- as soon as Joel Embiid gets a double or if Joel Embiid, you know, maybe they got his number one night. Maybe they, they know how to play him. We can just give the ball to Harden with a one-on-one every single time down the floor and let him cook and let him do his thing. Um, I don't think it has to be him or Embiid. I think I think those two can, their styles of basketball can work together. I actually think that Max is going to play well off him. I don't know why. I just have a feeling it's it's just going to work. Like like Maxi has all the energy and hustle that James Harden doesn't. But do you remember when he used to on offense? Like James Harden, Harden? has slowed down. He yes, has slowed I remember down when sure. he had that extra burst. He doesn't have that anymore. But in I mean in Houston, he used to be able to blow by guys. I'm not Why saying do you he's, think he's just going to be able to do that. You don't. I don't know. I don't think he is. I'm saying okay. having him with Maxi, those guys working together all the time, is going to do light years for Maxi's game. Yeah, or he's been that guy. Wait, you say that, or it's just going to make Maxi <laughs> become like a baby Harden, like He'll taking step backs. James Jay's like, dude. Why are you running so much? Just, just just hang out over here. It's good. Imagine if Harden comes and totally ruins your defense and just makes you guys pathetic. Maxi pulls up oh at the end of the God. season. He's like he's like 225. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very funny. Uh, I hope no, not. Listen, I, you, you, I think it's gonna be good for him. I think it's he had no yeah. one else to learn from until Harden got here. I mean, he had no mentor, he was just out there fucking winging it. I mean, Sam Cassell was doing his best. Yeah. No, I'm with you. You ready to switch over to my nets? I mean, I'm. I think. I think your nets are more interesting, to be honest, because we don't know anything about the Sixers yet. We've seen what the nets are kind of gonna be. The nets are very interesting. I'll say this, and by the way, I'm drinking a very big glass of vino. <laughs> I poured nice. it in, from a decanter. It's very cool. Uh, I got it on my wedding registry. Not that anyone cares, but registries dope. People buy your presents, so shout out to registries in general. Shout out to wine. Um, I was talking to someone today or yesterday. I was telling them, hey, I do a Nets podcast with the best podcast, you know, around Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. And I was saying it's not a great season to be a Nets fan, but it's one of the most intriguing seasons of all time to cover and like pay really close attention to this team because every single week has been a different story. It's a reality show in Brooklyn, and that's not to blame anyone. I'm not saying it's Kyrie's fault or anyone's fault, but the, the truth of the matter is, you know, every single week there is something going on. So obviously the Harden-Simmons trade was the biggest thing that happened, but Harden really stuck it to the Nets that night that they got traded. He didn't show up for his physical. So the Nets, I forgot, I forget who they played. Oh, I think it was Miami. Right, you had to wait an extra day to be able to use your guys because Harden hadn't gotten his physical done with us. Right, so Seth Curry and Andre Drummond couldn't play against the Heat. We actually battled. It was a really close game. Um, I could be wrong. I could be getting this game wrong, but basically, we didn't have those two guys for a game. We lost. We should have had him. Fuck you, Harden. Then we finally get the Seth Curry and Andre Drummond debut against the Sacramento Kings the other day. Yeah, it was the Kings, and um. They were electric. Curry, Seth Curry, 23. 23, 56% from the field, knocking down shots right off the bat. I mean, he had a fantastic game. Drummond was a man among boys. He stuffed the shit out of Rashawn Holmes, I think. He had a fast break tomahawk dunk. He was playing nice. Those two guys showed up big time. Great debuts for the Nets. He also had LaMarcus Aldridge in his comeback game. He had 19 points. Uh, Cam Thomas, player to watch. 
for those who don't follow the Nets very closely. I mean, with the big three basically out, I mean, Harden's gone and Kyrie can't play home games and Katie's hurt. Cam Thomas is a guy who's been getting a lot of time. He is a very talented scorer. I think he had 14 against the Kings in that win, but he is a very talented player. Um, fun to watch, can sort of score from anywhere on the court. It's a really nice step back game that he did not learn from James Harden. He had that in his bag in college, Brandon. And uh, yeah, also Bruce Brown, 19 points for Bruce Brown. Very interesting move by the Nets. They decided to drop DeAndre Bembry, so they waived him a week ago and they kept Bruce mm-hmm. Brown. And everyone was like, why? Bruce Brown responded with like the best game of the season for, for his, uh, yeah, for him. So good for Bruce. I Brown. was, I wanted to bring that one up because last year it was like, you know, Bruce Brown was like this nice little gadget piece we had. We could deploy when we needed to. He had upside. And then this year, from what I read, Nets Twitter was like, yo, fuck this dude. Like, we're done with Bruce Brown. But then he survived the deal and survived the cap and the roster space. And I don't know if that was the boost he needed or if maybe being cut was like put a scare into him. But he looked like last year's Bruce Brown. I never thought he was going to be involved in the trade because his value is so low this season. So I didn't think that Daryl Morey wanted him. No, if we if you guys were going to throw in a kicker, it was going to be Patty Mills or nothing. On right, right. Oh, by the way, he's not been good these last few weeks. He's he's also cold tonight. Um, quick update: the Nets are playing the Knicks right now. They're getting smoked. I said they would. In my defense, I said that to either Victoria or somebody else. But the sentence was uttered. The Knicks are going to beat the crap out of the Nets tonight. I think they were up 45-21 the last time I checked. Uh, so Nets got one more game before the All-Star break. I think it's against the Wizards. They got to win. Uh, so that'll be nice. But, yeah, man, I mean, I like Curry. I like Drummond. They were fun to watch. Simmons, when he comes back, I really liked what what Wade – and did you see those clips of Wade, McGrady, and Shaq talking? No, not yet. So they were cool. So the first thing they said was in regards to Simmons, Dwayne Wade was like, I don't even need him shooting jumpers. He's playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You got Seth Curry there. You have Patty Mills. You have a lot of scores. All he has to do is facilitate, rebound, defend, and not miss or pass up wide open laps. That's all he's got to do. So the last one's hard for him. He tends to do that in game seven of playoff series. So I <laughs> – <laughs> I like that that Wade said that about him not shooting or he didn't have to shoot. And then also they were talking back to the whole Harden thing. Um, you know, we all saw the the videos of Harden warm, like I guess practicing in the Sixers facility. And then, then it was ruled he's going to be out of the All-Star game because of the, the hamstring stuff still. So shout out to Jared Allen, by the way, for getting into the All-Star game. Well-deserved. Well Allen deserved. That dude's having, having a hell of a Phenomenal season. season. Really good. Um, so he's announced after – he's announced – out of the all-star game Harden, and then McGrady and Wade were talking and Wade goes, do you think he's really hurt? And McGrady was like, no, did, did you see him doing step backs? Yeah. He goes, when you're rehabbing from a hamstring injury, you're not doing step backs, but there's no way he could have gone. The PR on that would have been, would have been awful. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. There's something, right. there's something I wanted to just touch on. Um, and I know we probably should do more Ben Simmons stuff, but I mean, you and I talk so much about it outside of the podcast too, and everybody yes. else is talking about it. But there's one guy who I think is just completely, at least national media wise, skated through this whole this charade. And that is, and that's Steve Nash. Because, and I okay. say that, be, I say that because I don't, I know you're not the hugest fan. I think he might be a good coach at some point. Um, this is not even on the court. 
one of his biggest job descriptions when he came in here was you were going to have a ton of big personalities and a big market. And how do you manage that? And we're a year and a half into the Nash tenure and it's not been managed well. We'll, we'll put it that way. Before we go on, I just want to point out that at this game, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons are sitting next to each other on the bench. Can you say best friends? I mean, he tends to stab his best friends in the back pretty often. He was never best friends with the city of Philadelphia, Brandon. I'm talking about Joel Embiid. Oh, that's your talking about. He said goodbye to every single Sixer except for Joel Embiid. You see, you see, I just totally deceived you and took you away from the Steve Nash con- conversation. But we're going to have uh, that was very strategically done by me. Um, I, I, look, I, Steve Nash got hired because Sean Marks and him go back way back and they're buddies. And I, I don't think that Steve Nash isn't deserving of blame. He is. He's had a lot of weird moments this season. Um, that game against the Lakers, I think it was. No, the Warriors, where there were a few like moments down the stretch where he could have challenged calls. He didn't. He's a coach that really just kind of lets the superstars do what they want. You know, on, on the offensive end, he's like Harden, yeah. Kyrie. And there were there were reports that he would call a play for Durant and Harden would roll his eyes. And I kind of believe that. I, I kind of do. But, no, I, I, he's, he's not – all the injuries and the bullshit aren't on Steve Nash. The Kyrie Irving stuff isn't on Steve Nash. I don't even blame Steve Nash for the James Harden stuff. The main – two things that Nash has done that's aggravated me and me and a lot of Nets fans, uh, me for both, a lot of Nets fans for the first thing, the fact that he, you know, he doesn't really coach. He doesn't call a lot of timeouts. He doesn't challenge a lot of plays. He never gets a technical. I feel like good coaches get technicals. He never gets a technical. So that's the one thing that bothers all of Nets Twitter. The thing that bothered me about Nash this year is when all the Harden stuff was going on, he blatantly lied to the media and the public. And he said, no, we're not trading him. And everyone on Nets Twitter went came at me and they were like, oh, he was just posturing. I don't care. Like, don't blatantly lie about it. You can deflect. You can say, hey, that's Sean Marks' job right now. You can say right now James Harden is a net. That's a yeah. fair answer. That's the right answer. Say that. But just say, you know, I'm not saying anything. I haven't been told anything, whatever. But just to sit there and lie, we're not trading James Harden. That bothered me. Yeah, and that that's absolutely an issue for one. I mean, he has – but I – I can't, I can't give him a pass on the other stuff um, right. just for the simple reason that if it, was, if it was that easy to just coach and sit back and watch guys like KD, Kyrie, and Harden play, you could have put anybody in that spot. The reason people were interested to see how Steve Nash fared with those three personalities in a city like Brooklyn was because there was always going to be drama. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. It was how do you navigate it once drama happens? And I, th- I think if you and I talked about this pre or right after the Steve Nash hire and we said at the first bump in the road, one of the big three would be traded, we'd look at that and go, that's a huge failure on somebody's part. And Steve Nash is definitely at least at part to blame for that. Yeah, I just like what is Steve Nash a babysitter? He's going to totally mend the relationship between Kyrie, KD and James Harden, because if you really think about it, everybody had beef with everybody. Kyrie yeah. had beef. Um, well, not Kyrie. Kyrie's the only guy who really didn't have that much beef. Harden didn't like Kyrie because Kyrie wasn't playing half the games. 
Harden and KD didn't chat a lot down the stretch. There was some sort of rift between those two. And then I just, I, I've said this every time I've talked about this, I don't think that Kyrie and Harden were ever really like boys, like friend friends. Like, yeah, Harden said, oh, me and Kyle were really good friends. I don't believe him. They're two very different individuals. You can hear it in their press conferences. You can kind of visualize it by what you hear about their nightlife and and, and their off-the-court activities. I, I don't know. Call me crazy. I feel like KD and Kyrie, kind of close. KD and Harden, when they played in OKC, that's where they developed a relationship. But but Harden and Kyrie, nah, never saw it. So um, You don't have to be yeah. best friends necessarily. I mean, there's like – it could be a professional relationship, but neither one of those guys are that guy either. I guess what I'm saying is, and I agree with you on your third point, that Steve Nash isn't – he doesn't coach a lot. Right. I mean, he's hes very Eric Spolstra, the first go-around with LeBron. We were like, is this guy a good coach or not? It turns out he's one of the best in the league. But we don't know that about Steve Nash yet. But if you're going to go right. down that road of the guy doesn't coach a lot, X's and O's, He's not like a big, like motivational, like, you know, fight for his guys kind of coach. You almost have to be the third one then. You almost have to be a player's coach, a moderator kind of coach, because you're running out of other things that you do for this team. Right. If you don't do the first two. No, I totally get that. Um, and, and he's not undeserving of the blame. He definitely deserves some blame. Uh, I just think, like, if we're looking at a pie – I would give him like 20% of the blame, maybe less. That's fair. That's about what I'm looking for. I just think right now he's pretty much – it's been a media firestorm for Ben, Joel, the Sixers, Harden, and KD. And one of these guys is missing, and I thought it was him. And I honestly might blame him for this game right now because they are down to the Knicks 26 points. There is a serious chance that this can be a 30, 35-point blowout, which would be such bullshit – after we gave you guys so much shit for your loss, if we yep. came back and lost to our crosstown rival by like a hundred, really hoping that doesn't happen. The score is 56 to 30, 527 left in the second quarter. Knicks are oh, up. At time to turn around. I mean, Barely. two of your guys, I will say two of your guys don't think that NBA games start until the third quarter. I mean, who is that? Andre Drummond and Seth Curry are used to taking the first half off and then the Sixers coming back roaring the second half. So, Give them time. They're still in pregame warm-ups. Do we have any sort of sports news outside of the Sixers and the Nets? I mean, I do kind of want to talk about the abomination that was the Super Bowl parade that L.A. hosted. Is there a – actually, I have a question. Is there a city with more casual fans than the fans of L.A. sports? Bro, my – it's very funny you said that. So – my dad was at a Super Bowl party, and he goes, honestly, I was rooting for the Bengals. And he goes, I like the Rams because your Aunt Lisa likes the Rams. That My Aunt Lisa is my dad's sister. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Aunt Lisa barely watches football. She's like the most casual fan I know. But she's a diehard Rams fan. You know what I'm saying? Right? So, like, it was just funny. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know. you got like people in L.A., like, go to the game for something to do. It'd be like you and I hanging out and be like, Hey, man, you want to pop by a game and maybe get some dinner before? Like, instead of what it is for us, where it's like our like our mood, like our mental health is dependent on how our teams do. The L.A. Rams fans make the Jacksonville Jaguar fans look like the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Yes, I, I completely agree. <laughs> like, and Jacksonville's I, not a good fan base. I, trust me, I went Florida there for a lot of football games. But like compared to Florida. L.A., I mean, it's fucking New England. 
the the parade, like if you look at the aerial shots, there was like a two person deep line just to see the players. Like there was no one there. I felt bad for the players. Like no one could find the time to come. Yeah. No, I got you. You know what's fucking crazy? I don't think we ever talked about the Super Bowl. It just happened this Sunday. As Super Bowls go, look, I know it was a close game, and I watched the whole thing, but, like, I thought it was a letdown. Like, the rest of the playoffs Um, were so electric. It was was weird. I found it weird. Look, obviously, love Odell Beckham. I'm happy he got a ring. Fucking Odell's the best. Uh, Sucks that he tore his ACL. I literally, the second that happened, I knew that's what it was. Um, cause it fucking was no contact and like, he just looked like he was in pain, but glad yeah. he got a ring. I found it so weird. The Rams offense just disappeared when he, he got hurt. Cause like you still had Cooper cup. You, they could not run the ball. It was weird. It was a very weird thing. And then the, the fucking Bengals get the crazy, no offensive pass interference call on T Higgins score that touchdown. And they couldn't get shit going on offense, but that made sense because the Rams have one of the best defenses ever assembled. Yeah. And what's weird about it is, like, it's not like they built the offense around Odell. You remember, he popped in halfway through. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that the offense completely stalled, I was like, you guys couldn't dust off the old game plans? Like, you had nothing pre-Odell? Do you think that Joe Burrow will ever go to a Super Bowl again? I know what tweet you're referencing. It's like the last, like, 16 um, no, quarter- I wasn't referencing anything. I was just asking. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. there's a stat where I saw, I saw a tweet about it earlier. Um, it's the, I think it's the last 16 rookie quarterbacks. No, Second 16. Year. Oh, there's some shit about it. It was 16 quarterbacks to lose their Super Bowl debut, never made it back. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going back next year, but he's young. He can have a long career. I think they can eventually go back. And also Cincinnati's a cool place to play now. You have a young head coach. You have a, a young superstar receiver, young stud quarterback, Joe Shiesty, Joe Cool. Their whole receiving core is young and pretty solid. Tyler Boyd's their oldest nice, receiver. So. He's not even 30 yet. Yeah. Um, T. Higgins is nice. Uzoma's nice. The, the last thing I'll say about the Super Bowl, and, and shout out Matt Stafford, is he a Hall of Famer? No. Yeah, I agree. Not yet. Not yet. He no. could be. I, I yeah, I mean that that used to mean so much. I'm sure it's still like they they still narrow it down. But well, as soon as anybody gets a like gets any kind of accomplishment, it's all famer. And he has big numbers. Of, think about it like this too: if he plays another five or six years, he's Drew Brees. It's a good point, right? Right? If he, and he if has he, four, four or five really good seasons, like really, like I'm talking thirty touchdowns, you know, less yeah. than seven. Actually, that's hard for him to do, but. Anyway, the last thing I was going to say, did you see the video of Joe Burrow introducing himself to the <laughs> ring? Hey, man, I'm so Joe. Funny. Aaron, That's pretty Aaron. alpha. Joe, nice to meet you. <laughs> right? Like, everyone's like, man, dude, Joe Burrow's going to get smeared by these guys. They're huge. He's like, hey, man, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. Like, just Very unfazed. Funny. Very funny. Von Miller gave him the time of day, too. The only one who didn't was Aaron Donald. But he's an Aaron Donald was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I, well, Aaron Donald, Aaron. I, then he shoved him later. Yeah. Maybe it's because he didn't want to. He's like, yo, I'm going to shove you later. Like, stop saying hi to me. I found Eric Weddles was kind of odd. They were like mid-game. He's like, no, yeah. dude, I love you. I appreciate everything you're doing and watching. I'm like, look, there's a great spot for that. Right now might not be it. Yep. Agreed. Like, you're supposed to want to kill each other to, like, to win a Super Bowl right now. And you're just kind of chatting. I, I didn't hate it. I The last drive was cool. I mean, Cooper Cup, we got to mention him before this is over. He's a fucking stud. One of the greatest 
receiving seasons plus playoffs of all time. The guy put Eli Apple on skates. I really wanted to see that video of Eli Apple stumbling and then he like stumbles <laughs> to another dimension. Like, <laughs> dude, uh, Eli Apple had four states and like six teams preying on his downfall. Like, that man is yes. hated. Yes, yes. And everyone also, the, is that the, the best? Tweets. Yeah. Is that the best? Is, is he the best white receiver of all time? Conversation for a different day. We're gonna we're gonna bookmark that one because that's gonna be a whole another podcast. All right, Brandon, that does it for this week's two hours no traffic New York Philadelphia sports podcast. Thanks everyone for listening and go Nets. Uh, go Sixers, but after the All Star break. <laughs>